Jai Guru, everyone. Jai Guru. Welcome to our next episode of Yogananda Podcast. We are going through the excellent book, The Autobiography of a Yogi, line by line. We are still in chapter 10. Chapter 10 is a very special chapter because it's where Guruji meets his guru, Swami Sri Yukteswar. And we're right there. We're right in the middle of things. We're at part seven. Um, and we are um, going into their dialogue. It's very interesting. It's going to be, I mean, I don't want to say it's going to be short, but it's going to be intense. I think that we're going to go into every sentence they're going to say. And we got full house today. We got Priyank, um, Chris, and Lauren. I see all in different places. Amazing. Our our geographic range is, is really at a maximum today, I would say. It's really <laughs> really good how are you guys doing mm, very good thank good, you thanks good point about the geographic yeah. range where, where are you Priyank I'm in Calcutta Kolkata, Kolkata. We call it now. Kolkata all right so it's not the place where this encounter takes place that's not far from there and we'll see in the end mm -hmm. also that um, that Kolkata plays a role because it's at the end where Sri Yukteswar's ashram is and also Guruji's home. But we we should we can jump right in. The we are um uh so they 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 kind of they met in the in the um in the side street of a bazaar in um in Kolkata. They're talking in Benares Benares. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Oh, okay. Benares, Kolkata. Uh, no, it's been it's the city. Benares, Varanasi. <laughs> if you look at it on a map now, you will look for Varanasi. It's the yeah. the name of it right now. And um, so the the interesting thing is that they they have just met. This is just their first encounter, and um, Sri Yukteswar is very straightforward very much so he already greeted him in a uh, earlier he said my child you have come and he keeps going like that uh, Priyank hmm. first um their first meeting in this lifetime ah, see there we go see <laughs> and Jukesh was fully aware of of that that they have met before and so to be fair so is Guruji right Guruji suddenly said he saw this man who we saw in many visions and things. So he's, he's definitely aware that, that they have met before as well. But it seems like Sri Yukteswar is the one who has all the context. Um, and he's also very sure about Mukunda's role with him. And so the first thing he says is, I shall give you my ashram and all I possess. Now that's, that's a start, right? That's, I, I found that pretty incredible. Um, and uh, I was wondering how I would react if I was greeted by someone like this in that way. It's, it's incredible, uh, Priyank. Yeah, um, I think you you emphasized this before, uh, where you said um, Sri Yukteswar is sure of uh, their prior relationship. But um, it, it strikes you as he is very, very strong of his conviction of that fact. Um, and Essentially, with this, with this quite magnanimous uh, declaration, 
or renunciation, as it were, actually. You could say that he is um, straight away acknowledging Mukunda as his chief, chief disciple. Yeah, yeah, that's quite an, quite an interesting point, actually, because he did, um, you know, even at one point, Yogananda was quite jealous of another disciple that came in that got a lot of attention from Sri Yukteswar, and, you know, it didn't seem all that clear, the, the position, but um, yeah, that that's quite a nice point. It's a beautiful moment, and the response is even more beautiful, isn't it, um, than, than the uh, intention that Sri Yukteswar is trying to trying to describe here to Yogananda. It reminds me actually in a much lesser but similar principled way, a friend of mine said that when he met his his now wife, um, who I had been friends with uh, at school, he said he knew instantly that he was going to, you know, marry her and, he, you know, build a house and they were going to, you know, live together. And he, he said all these beautiful things that essentially what he was going to do for her, you know, he was going to give her everything, essentially give his life to her. Um, and it's such a, I think, a principled point that love is giving. Love is truly giving. You can give it your all. It's not a taking, you know, I'm going to take so much from you. You're going to, it's, it's, I will give you everything. It's unconditional love. It's, you know, unconditional giving. So it's, um, yeah, just a, a beautiful, beautiful moment that Yogananda actually spins into even more awesome uh, response. Mm. A good point you make about the unconditional love, but the, 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 I think that's coming a bit later when he asks him later on in this book about later on in this section that we're going to discuss about unconditional love directly. Um, but here <clears throat> he's really talking essentially about the um, the philosophy essentially of renunciation, and um, he immediately shows us his. Um, prowess in material renunciation, doesn't he? By just foregoing what his lifetime's worth of you, you, you wouldn't say they're like material achievements because it's not like a business that he's opened up, but they're like spiritual um, established institutions that he's developed, i.e., the two ashrams, um, one in Puri, in, in in on the east coast of India, and this Serampur one, which is near Calcutta, which is where I am. But um, in the in God Talks with Arjun, I found a good reading about this in chapter two, verse fifty nine, where they're comparing the exterior methods of renunciation as followed by monks and swamis to the interior method that's followed by yogis. So, if you look in the comment section, Lauren, do you want to start us off, please, with that reading? Many monastics believe that by living in a hermitage and by not marrying they will be free from attachment to worldly objects. The truth is that all swamis and other renunciants who do not, in addition, become yogis, though who, those who practice a scientific method of God union are in grave danger of losing sight of their divine goal, as are householder yogis who do not practice inner non-attachment. By physical renunciation alone, the Rick, uh, sorry, recals how do you pronounce this word? Recalcitrant. Um, recalcitrant. I haven't seen that word before. Uh, recalcitrant mind is not convinced fully that the pleasures of the senses must be forsaken. But the yogi, be he a monastic or a householder, who contacts the supreme joy of spirit by deep meditation, not only thinks, but knows that a man 
is a fool not to renounce the lesser joy of the senses for the supreme joy of spirit. The ordinary renunciant, outwardly forsaking the objects of pleasure, has won only the first round with the senses. The inner longings have by no means acknowledged defeat. So the renunciant must learn not only the outer, but the inner art of self-defense. Water added to milk freely mixes with it and dilutes its natural character. Milk that has become butter, however, can float in water without undergoing any adulteration. Similarly, the ordinary renunciant's mind has to stay away from the diluting potential of sensory temptations. Yet the yogi who has churned the butter of realization finds himself impervious, inwardly and outwardly, to all attachment to the sense objects, even when he is surrounded by them. Don't you love those pictures that Guruji draws sometimes, the butter and the milk? And... That, um, that one is actually quite a, it's a scriptural one, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I think um, it's used in a few different Indian scripture, the butter and milk. Wow. And uh, the, the whole churning the but churning the milk and getting the butter analogy as well, that's uh, quite a common one in terms of relating that to spiritual effort. And uh, as um, Lehi Mahesha's famous line, Banadbanjaya, um, which is um, striving, striving one, one day, yeah. attain, attain or something, something along those lines. I thought you would say now it means churning, churning. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Guruji, he's um, confronted with this now. He has Lahiri um, Swami Sri Yukteswar sitting in front of him, who is um, the, the, the master of his dreams. And he sits in front of him and he says, I shall give you all my ashrams and all I possess. And he has a quick response. To it. Maybe also context is he's in an ashram right now, Guruji. He's not very happy there. He is looking for God realization from a God realized master. And what he's getting in his current ashram is chores, 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 and, and remarks on his long meditations that he doesn't appreciate. Yeah, Priyan? But, uh, I'm sure Swami Dayananda hasn't told him in the ashram i'll get i couldn't give this is all <laughs> yours son. i know you're you're not my ideal disciple <laughs> but no it's yeah. such a such a astoundingly beautiful response isn't it by Rukunda. essentially he's reciprocating the renunciation that that sri Yukteswar is manifesting and by saying uh, he himself then renounces the re, re, the offering which is mm -hmm. quite uh, quite cool isn't it yeah renouncing. <laughs> <laughs> out renouncing out renouncing the renunciants yeah so he 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 says um that that's great but what i came for is god realization and he says those are your treasure troves i am after wisdom and god realization so i guess he hit the spot there also with Ryukteswar. In that sense, I was thinking if Ryukteswar, this was like one of his first tests. I don't know if that's true, but he they've definitely had Yogananda say out loud 
what he's actually coming to guru for he's not coming to run maybe that's the thing also young people go enter an ashram and their goal is to lead the ashram one day but that's not his goal his goal is god realization and as the the ideal devotee that's what one should strive for when you enter an ashram mm -hmm. isn't that one. what you want mike is that isn't that what you want to do at Lakeshrine, Mike? Be, be the chief I, volunteer. I, def I definitely don't want to take over the ashram. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now God realization is what we're all striving for, right? That's why we're here. I also find it really um, interesting that he says, "I come for wisdom and God realization," because we know that Sri Yukteswar is. The incarnation of wisdom so what Guruji literally came for he he got in in him which is so beautiful yeah and and then we mentioned this before in other episodes but this is quite a conversation <clears throat> right they say those momentous sentences and then Sri Yukteswar there's no reaction he's just sitting in the silence and he says it the the Indian twilight drops before he talks again, right? So that's like, I would say this is, I would give this at least an hour or something before he, before he makes a response, uh, Priyank. That's a, such a beautiful way of saying some time has elapsed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after a while, you know, us mere, us mere literary mortals would say after, after a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah after what after what felt Indian. like hours and hours yeah <laughs> yeah well he's um you know when you're having something deeper about that when you're having a good time you time yeah. flies by doesn't it and obviously having the the best time uh yeah. you can probably have the best experience you can have in in life really this um one-to-one -one with guru with your guru um, but it's just so beautifully worded. The swift Indian twilight had dropped its half curtain before Master spoke again. It is it is very poetic, and it and and I get the same impression that he's enjoying himself, and it's not not like lengthy for him at all. And then, um, but there's also this understanding between those two that he sits in the silence and he sits there with him. And we, we said that also in an earlier episode that they might be communing with each other while, while they're both in silence. So there's like probably an outward part to the conversation and, and an inward part. Um, yeah, Priyank, did you want to add something? Yeah, I've got some timings now. In the previous uh, section of this um, chapter, it said yeah. that when they were set out for the bazaar, the ungentle Indian sun had not yet that zenith. Mm -hmm. So that okay. means it was say 11.45 or 11.30. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. um, and then now it's sunset, so should we say 5.30? So that's five, <laughs> five solid hours wow. of intimacy yeah. and silence because they haven't said much, right? They've just, no. just uh, yeah. said a few words here and there and silence. So you can imagine some uh, impromptu meditation classes yeah. happening. And I and I believe they left in the morning, didn't they? Right after his morning meditation where he was um, 
praying for yeah, a guru that is, to that, divine mother. That is the time, yeah. So that is, that's and, what it said at uh, the most time likely, at Sunless. Most likely, Guruji hasn't had breakfast yet. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, because, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Many... That's relevant. That's relevant for <laughs> later on, actually. <laughs> and then, so the, um, let's say an hour passes by, the, the sun drops, and um, Guru, um, Sri Yukteswar answers. He says, I give you my unconditional love. And Guruji says, those are precious words words because he was not going to hear that for a long time if if you are if you know the autobiography of a yogi you know exactly what he's talking about and he will come back to that 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 next time when he will tell him that he loves him will be i think 25 years in the future from now so pretty pretty long yeah he even says quarter century so yeah yeah, when he comes back from from America to India to visit his guru one more time. Yeah, Priyank? Do you think this opening, the opening gambit initially was that I'll give you my ashrams and all that I possess. Now the second yeah. gambit is that I'll give you my unconditional love. Which one was it more difficult for Sri Yukteswar to forego in the first two offerings? to uh, Bukunda, everything he's worked up for in this life or unconditional love straight away, just having re-met his disciple, I'll put it out there. I mean, I think Guruji gives the answer to this, uh, but yeah, Lauren. Um, no, go on, go on, Mike, carry on. So Guruji says those are precious words and says how, how rarely he hears them, right? So this means a lot to him he didn't remark anything on the ashram so i think <laughs> i think the material things they don't impress him much and i think among saints material things are like like legos right you that they don't have they don't have really the big meaning uh, but this, hold on. do you not remember yeah. lahiri mahashai's the palace the palace yeah, yeah, but how long was that palace there? He had that for 20 he, minutes. He, and then he was like, he, I'm good he, now, he, thank you. He wanted it, didn't he? <laughs> Babaji made it happen because he wanted he it. He didn't, he didn't. Okay, it has some meaning. It has some meaning. That's true. Okay. <laughs> um, your question, Priyank, about which do you think was harder? I think neither, personally, because surely Sri Teshra already was giving Guruji his unconditional love in previous reincarnations and that came into this one but perhaps that one was more difficult to say <laughs> <laughs> maybe I don't know I'm not sure there's far um but yeah maybe maybe the actual speaking on it may have had a difference we know <clears throat> Sri Yukteswar had a daughter um that I don't actually know an awful lot about, to be honest, I don't know if you guys do yourselves or maybe the audience does. Um, and we also know that he lost his own father at a very young age. So he took on the responsibility of um, managing, you know, the family's land and holdings and to the details of this, I'm not sure, but maybe he actually inherited quite a bit when he was young uh, as well. And I, I, I just wonder, you know, when I read this, it's very much like a father and son sort of relationship isn't it and this um uh fatherly figure 
that uh, Shrek Deshwar has due to his demeanor. Um, and then Yogananda coming in, and it's almost like, you know, you know, you you are my son. You can inherit everything from me in the sense that the son that he never had. But, um, yeah, maybe, maybe he had he had a lot of inheritance as well. I would I would like to know the details of of that actually, if anybody knows. I will politely direct you to Swami Satyananda's book for for Kriya Yoga Gurus. Um, so um, he's basically done a biography of Lohi, of um, Swami Shrikteshwar, which of which the details are in there. And uh, we're going to go through them at a later episode when we talk about the life of uh, Lohi Mahashram. Nice. Guruji doesn't only say that this is, um, doesn't happen often, that um, Sri Yukteswar, um, or let me start this way. Sri Yukteswar, when you look at him on the altar, uh, everyone, uh, as a devotee, you have a different kind of relationship to all the gurus. And I feel like Sri Yukteswar is often the, the more like the, the disciplinarian on, on the altar, right? So when you have him coming uh, to you and saying, I give you my unconditional love, would you, so almost you could think, Maybe it's not the, not what I would have expected. Is that out of character, or is that it's not it's not a not what people associate with him usually? Yeah, Priya. Yeah, but you do right, Mike. Um, I think we were. Yeah, it's true. It's a, it's a me pro. It's a me problem. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> you, uh, because um, the previous line was his eyes held unfathomable tenderness. Mm. Yeah, which implies that he can um, flip. Uh, his persona as required based on the situation and in this situation obviously Bukunda was uh, new to to him and in this lifetime this is their first reunion well this is their reunion mm -hmm. and so he had to be the tender most tender version of himself um, later we'll get his uh, stricter <laughs> stricter versions don't won't we but I, re I remember when Mike last time we were talking about this and you said um you know you've got your pic you've got his picture on on the wall and this is this is the impression you have isn't it the, of this like uh loving unconditional love kind of nature yes. as opposed to the disciplinarian why didn't you do your energization just now rather than walking <laughs> yeah and and this this builds a beautiful bridge to um something Chris wants to read out about uh, yeah, in Man's Eternal Quest, there's a very short but succinct, uh, I think it summarizes it quite well, of Yogananda's words himself, of how he describes Sri Yukteswar. And he says that um, when I think of my guru, Sri Yukteswarji, I see him in the sternness of a father and the kindness of a mother, without weakness, weaknesses or blindness of either. Every father and every mother is potentially endowed with both the fatherly wisdom and the motherly tenderness of God. They have no perfect. They have to perfect these endowments. Beautiful. And, and, yeah. and um, Sri Yukteswar is, has perfected both of those. And so he is very, he can be very loving. And like Priyank mentioned in further chapters, he can also be quite a disciplinarian. Yeah, Prank. You're on mute. Are oh, you you muted? 
You're muted. He says um, a quarter of a century elapsed before he hears it again. And that essentially Sri Yukteswar's lips were strange to ardor. Silence suited his oceanic heart. Um, I, I certainly resonate with that. I don't like to say um, words like I love you and things like that. I, I prefer to um, show show it either through my emotions or like how I am or um, you know my my just my relationship in general. Um, I feel like mm. that the words are words really don't do the the feeling justice, especially. Um, important words such as you know ones which have love are you loving is, is more important for me Yogananda talks about uh, magnetism and talk and he talks about it more like the chatterbox you know don't, don't be a chatterbox and talk because then uh, you lose your sort of magnetism and the words lose its magnetism so I think here he's he's really talking about something different isn't he he's, he's seeking this art word um, expression uh, and confirmation of, of of his love, and whenever I was reading this, that um, of course you know we've read the autobiography of a, of a yogi, we know it's going to come up in future um, chapters. But here he gives us a hint that it's going to be twenty five years until he he Sri Yukteswar says that again, says I love you again in so many words. Um, and to your point, Priyank, um, about the expression of love and how how do you do that? To my mind, in some way, I thought of the masculine versus feminine expression of, of love and how maybe when I think about Sri Yukteswar, like Mike said, I think of quite a masculine sort of disciplinarian um, expression of love. Um, and when I went to look into this to see really what Yogananda actually said about his interpretation of it, I came to this man's eternal quest piece. And he simply said that, you know, um, Sri, Sri Yukteswar had, you know, was without weakness. Um, that he uh, had the sternness of a father and the kindness of a mother. So clearly, even though you know he doesn't actually express it verbally too much, he was still able, probably through his eyes, as as you mentioned in the previous uh, sentence there, that he had this kindness and this very feminine, balanced energy within him. So um, yeah, I would be more inclined to sort of uh, show my love through actions like like you prank but i think maybe um yeah there's a there's a balance in there somewhere isn't there both, what do you say to you sorry chris what do you say to your friends that say men men are supposed to be masculine not feminine i'm probably one of the more feminine expressive <laughs> expressive <laughs> guys you know in my friend group and I, I can say you know i know my wife is certainly from she's from brazil and they have a different culture of expression so it's interesting that you say what you say, Prank, because maybe it's more of a cultural thing as well. Um, because here in Brazil, it's very much an outward expression. Um, and in Ireland, it would not be so much. And then, yeah, as you're pointing to, especially amongst boys, potentially, it's even more so. So um, layers upon layers. But I'm learning different uh, differently, Prank. I'm having to express myself more vocally uh, here in Brazil, <laughs> <laughs> balancing those energies. Sure. Those are some really good points. Um, I, I, um, I think one takeaway we should definitely have here is that just just because he didn't say it um, for twenty five years, it doesn't mean that he didn't constantly show and express love to Guruji in the time that they were together. Um, and that's really important. 
I think there's a talk by Brother Tiagananda that comes to mind where he says, um, if love is not expressed, then it's not there. So you have to express love in some way. Otherwise, you might as well not have it. And so you have to make an effort. It doesn't mean that you have to verbally express your love constantly, but to show it in some way constantly. And I think that's what they what they will be doing. And that's why Priyank's point is actually a really good one, that, that he um, is... Uh, you can express love verbally, but you can also do it by doing something, by by doing kind uh, deeds or there's, 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 as we say today, many different love languages, right? And you need to at least use one of them, right? So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the takeaway. Um, and yeah, I would say, um, yeah, no, I'll shut up. Um, let's continue. Um, you're going to say French is the language of love, aren't you? Uh, that's right, yes. Of course. Not, not German. <laughs> not German. <laughs> no, but see, but those two are, for example, that's the, that kind of difference that Chris was talking about between the Irish and the Brazilians, maybe. I think maybe French and German are, have similar similar differences between them. But anyways. Yeah, so close geographically, it's interesting. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yet so far culturally. <laughs> 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 it's true yeah so so he doesn't just say i give you my unconditional love and then the second sentence is like will you give me the same unconditional love and looks as looks at him and then he says those words with childlike trust as in you know like with this expectation, right? With this really vulnerable state. Um, and I find that I find that very beautiful because this is like the master of the universe here going to Yogananda and asking him, do you give me the same unconditional love? Um, yeah, before I continue, Priyank. <clears throat> I see, Lauren, do you want to go first? I'm just trying to find something. Oh, yeah, sure. Um... What is really standing out to me is yeah. is the eyes that seem to be speaking all the time mm -hmm. in this section. Mm -hmm. Like in the bit before, he had eyes with unfathomable tenderness. And now he has eyes with childlike trust. And it just feels like this thing that's going on between them is so large that it goes beyond vocabulary. And it's, it, it speaks through the eyes. Um, it's very powerful. And also really beautiful as well. Hmm. The what I was going to say was, um, do you? The, I think he he's very deliberate with how he's communicating and the order in which he's saying stuff. So he's declared his two offerings to Mukunda, right? Probably the best two things that uh, a guru can give you, and then he says, "Nothing else wrong." Yeah. He asks, yeah, a it's almost like a rhetorical question because will you give me the same unconditional love? It's like, because obviously he's going to say yes, but it, I feel like it's like a um, <clears throat> somewhat of an initiation um, because, uh, because there's a lot of responsibility in um, contemplating that question and also committing to the yes that Mukunda gives, right? And uh, I'm reminded of um, 
the talk, uh, you know, loyalty being the highest spiritual law um, that by, that we discussed in the last episode by Brother Anandamoy. And these 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 elements come out of that as well in, in terms of what you what you um, owe, what your debt is to, to the guru and uh, how much responsibility that that incurs, you know, the grace that you're in, how much responsibility that that incurs for you to be in that grace. Um, and I, I also am reminded in the previous section where he said, um, Mukunda, you know, had that mysterious line which said, um, you know, he, it was holding a promise that I had not fully understood. And now he's like with these little with these little things that he's saying to them. They're not little. They're you know they're really grand, aren't they? And the weight of them. He's revealing the promise actually in in these lines that uh, that's coming that we're we're talking about right now. Yes. Um. So he's answering him, and like Priyank said, of course he says. Well, he says, "I will love you eternally." Karma, Guru Deva. So, if you, I don't know if that was like an an audition to be a a chela, but that's kind of how they both understood it. So he says that he says he calls him Guru Deva, and then I, I um, there's no protest from Sri Teshwar that he says, "Oh, I'm not your guru" or something. <laughs> no, this is like. This is happening here. Um, and I find this conversation in general is like, I think Guruji tries to explain that there's stuff happening verbally and non-verbally here. And, but, it, but um, the, so they, they basically reduce their, their dialogue to the, to the necess necessary lines, right? And then suddenly he's like, saying okay i'll i'll join your ashram i'll be your i'll be your disciple and you'll be my guru and he accepted him already so this is a, it actually was a very very fast in, efficient i mean, i wouldn't i wouldn't say fast because they had hours of hours of silence in between but it was um it it was very efficient yeah yeah it's a good point about all the stuff that's happening outside of the dialogue and as Lawrence said there's a lot of reference to you know the eyes and the tenderness of the eyes and here there's the reference to he gazed at me with childlike trust you know so there's um if we, if we can meditate on each of these and spend time on them to to really get into that room that they were in that balcony that they were in and the feelings that they were feeling mm. So we we have this this bond of divine love between those two, um, of a disciple who loves his guru with the goal of God realization, and a guru who has the goal of giving God realization to to his disciple. Um, and then Guruji makes a point of how there's a difference between divine love and how he calls it ordinary love. So he says, ordinary love is selfish. It's darkly rooted in desires and satisfactions, whereas divine love is without condition, boundary, or change. And Guruji makes this point many times in many of his scriptures, that there is love that is motivated by desires and love that is just given freely. Yeah, Priya? 
Yeah, and this really adds a lot of gravitas to the the, the question that he asked previously because he feels Shrikdeshwar actually goes into the depth of de defining what he means by this relationship. Um, and um, you know, you're going to complete it, but it's absolutely it's, it's such a complete and beautiful definition of love, isn't it? Um, and I feel like we shouldn't use the word love so freely as we do, <laughs> unless we really, really, you know, have these principles in mind. You know, saying saying stuff like "I love chocolate" is probably we should we should reserve <laughs> reserve the word reserve yeah, the words. in the same category as the, the JavaScript guru or something. Yeah. yeah. That was one of my pet hits when I was at school and, you know, all the teenagers, you know, at that time we were all, I love this. I love this. Funny enough, back then I knew that there was something not right <laughs> about that, but Yogananda clarifies it for us here as to what it is. Can you not give unconditional love to chocolate, Priyank? <laughs> it's conditional. It's, it's conditional. Eat, <laughs> on my, eat enough, eat enough on my of teeth. It. Eat enough it's, of it, and then you'll find out my. <laughs> true. Okay. It's it's conditional on my teeth being able to not be in pain when eating it, yeah. isn't it? No. I guess you guys have a point. Would um would now be a good time to to read out the um, the section? Yeah, just I just want let's complete the um before we read that section um just to complete that. So he says that divine love is without condition, without boundary, without change. He also says the flux of the human heart is forever, is gone forever at the transfixing touch of pure love. Now, we found um, another really good section in God Talks with Arjuna about four kinds of devotees. And, um, and it's described, you know, each type of devotee is described nicely. But this is the highest kind of devotee because we're talking about the unconditional love element and uh, he's further elaborated on this in god talks with arjuna so lauren if you want to read that bit out mm -hmm. therefore among the four kinds of devotees the sage who acts in this cosmic dream with god consciousness only and with supreme one-minded devotion is closest to him that devotee has an unconditional love he loves god without a selfish motive without a business-like arrangement. I'll pray to thee, O Lord, provided thou dost give me health, money, and grace. Between the wise devotee and God, there is a deeper exchange, that of fathomless love and affection. The sage's devotion is spontaneously actuated without reservation because it is offered in full faith that the loving, omniscient creator, the sole giver of all things, knows every necessity of every being. The sage is content with, with whatever the Lord deems best to give or withhold. I remember, I'm reminded of, again of that same talk by Brother and the Moines loyalty talk. Um, and he mentions two really good stories about, um, about essentially these other types of devotees um, one of them, he says that um, he just entered the ashram and, uh, you know, one of the senior monks had come in from Hollywood. This is in Lake Shrine, I think. And um, he was just, he barely knew any English and he was just literally quite new to the ashram. And the, the brother had come 
and he'd said to everyone in the morning like everyone you know come to the evening meditation uh, you know it's going to be great you know we should all be meditating etc and um so then and then afterwards brother says uh, i have to i've got some other t- business to attend to um and then the more you give the you give the evening talk and he said um and he quite uh, you could watch the uh, you could you could hear the whole thing but essentially what happens is it goes terribly um really really badly is his first service and he says that's how i started my career and everyone the whole audience in the convocation are you know laughing there laughing their heads off but he's saying that um the worst thing is that um other than one or two people even though it was, it was a full capacity audience um congregation he said the worst thing is that he never saw lot you know 90% of those pe- people again that came and then he said but then he said and everyone was laughing but then he, he made the serious point of um is that is that all it takes for you to leave the path to leave the guru one bad you know service reader and um and everyone's like you know, in complete shock and uh, silence but it's true isn't it that's how fickle um the devotion of some some you know some people are especially people that are new to the path or very new on their journey and then he gave this other example of another type of devotee that they were you know regular come every week they um they're really devoted they're really keen doing all their practices and then and then it was a family and their son of like 21 or something got drafted into uh the korea war or something and they the parents were absolutely devastated saying you know how could how could god do this to us and then and then they left the path so they left faith they left they left essentially they left god uh, because they thought that this is unjust um and obviously you know he gave the the deeper meaning behind all of that but the, he, again he was saying is this the is it you know god puts us in all these scenarios for various purposes but this is not a reason that you'd leave the leave the path and you know this is how strong your loyalty is that these small tests mean that you leave the path because you don't want to face them and i remember sister you know in in gyanamata she's she's she, one of her mantras was change you know circumstance in my life change me right and that's like it's like the highest highest manifestation of um, unconditional love isn't it mm. Yeah, it it speaks to what um, has just been said here. That will you give me the same unconditional love? And it gazed at me with childlike trust. And I love that description because Yogananda uses that to not only describe God and how God is, you know, he's childlike in his in, in its in his approach, but how we should be in our approach as well, be childlike in our pursuit of God, with that trust in there. So. There's Sri Yukteswar giving that childlike trust to Yogananda in this moment that, yeah, um, we should have in all circumstances because if you have that, you're not going to then suddenly doubt your your father, are you? If you you, know, you have that childlike trust in you, so you know, I'm gonna have to look up that. Um, gonna have to share that video link, Priyank, mm-hmm. for us on, yeah. on, the, on the talk. I did on the last episode. I'll do it on this one as well on the description. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are some really good points. I there is definitely one thing to say. I I follow a guru, but then faith is always being tested in life, like Priyank mentioned. And um, sometimes those tests are very severe. And um, I 
I don't judge anyone for what they do. Like everyone has their own path, right? But it is, um, it it is. Uh, I think uh, a bad, a bad Sunday service should not be the the reason for you to change <laughs> your path. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, it continues, right? Like we thought, okay, we go from ashram to unconditional love, but now. So Guruji talked about the importance of divine love versus ordinary love. And then Sri Yukteswar says he added humbly. And then he says, if you ever find me falling from a state of God realization, like that's a very unlikely scenario, right? Mm-hmm. But he, he says that anyways, he, I think he's, he says that not because it's going to happen, but to explain their relationship and also to recognize Mukunda as this his supreme devotee, he's like his Arjuna to his Krishna, right? So it's it's a very um, special thing that he's telling him. So if, if you ever find me falling from a state of God realization, please promise to put my head on your lap and help to bring me back to the cosmic beloved we both worship. Wow. And imagine being there. Yeah. There's something about this moment that I actually, it sticks to my mind, sticks in my mind, really. And maybe it says more about myself and my uh, development, my stage of development right now, because I often recall this moment as a source Mm. of motivation, inspiration to say, you know, no matter how many times I fall, my guru will be there for me. And that's this eternal promise and relationship, the highest relationship that we can have in this lifetime really you know a personal relationship is is with the guru so this this moment is something that really really sticks if you could pick a few moments in the whole autobiography of a yogi it's this one for me that stands out yeah certainly certainly agree chris i don't know mike how you uh read it out with such composure i always well left a little bit <laughs> yeah. when um I always, <laughs> yeah i always well we did I, I think all of us stopped straight after mike you can't uh just carry on can you it's such a powerful powerful line um and it's also i think you know mike you mentioned that it's, it's hard to imagine sri yukteswar coming down from this elevated state because we we know he's another dar and you know he's past the he's essentially you know he's past all of this um but I think a lot of people are quite assured of themselves that they won't fall from this path, that, although, you know, this state that they're in. And you may be in a very beautiful state like that. For example, that family that a brother and boy talked about that were like, you know, attending every service, they're steadfast in their path. And, you know, they, they think, you know, nothing can, when, when things are going well, you, you're, you know, it's very easy to make these grand declarations. But as soon as, uh, something hard hits you, you know, these severe trials that, that you mentioned, Mike, um, that is when um, the true test is. And so I think, I feel Sri Yukteswar is, is kind of speaking to the self-assured devotees that uh, I think, you know, we think that we're, we can't possibly fall now that we're, especially that, you know, we've taken Kriya, all four of us have taken Kriya, you know, so Yogananda is our, is our guru and you know nothing everything is going to be peaches and cream <laughs> that's obviously not not the case not until we become 
established in Brahman, as as is described in the Gita. But the other the other thing was um, that I thought of thought of here was that he said that um, if you, he's he's being very humble, right? So, um, but he's also quite self assured. <laughs> because um, he's saying um, promise to put my head on your lap and bring me back to the cosmic beloved that we both worship so he's he's fully had got faith that Mukunda if if ever it needed to be um, he's sure that uh, Mukunda can will bring him back um, and he'll be back on mm. the spiritual path so uh, there's no word um, in the English dictionary is there for being both self self-assured yet humble <laughs> perhaps we should make perhaps we should make yukteswar the yukteswar the word the yukteswar such a, a concept i actually wouldn't agree with the word at all humble in this context i have to disagree with you there Priyank. um for for the content no no but, but seriously i think it's this moment is for me, Yogan, um, Sri Yukteswar recognizing the divinity that is already very present within Yogananda. That's to me the significance of that comment that he is saying that you know the divinity within you is 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 there. So um, it's it's a lovely moment of recognition, really, of um, of Yogananda's strength of um, yeah of divinity. Yeah, yeah. He's basically saying, I know I don't I know who you are and I know what you are. hundred mm. percent. Respects him as an as another avatar. And somehow this this uh, momentous sentence does not ask for a response. There is no response here. It just goes unanswered. Or maybe they answer it while they're communing um, in their meditation. Um, and yeah, then this is this uh, exchange is um, over for now. And he, he leads him to, an, to another room now where they, they have some mangoes and almond sweetmeats. And so it becomes, it becomes a lot more of a casual conversation. And of course, one thing that Guruji mentions is that that Sri Yukteswar has all this knowledge about him and he casually drops it here and there in the conversation. Mm. Mike, earlier you mentioned, uh, when we were talking about timings, you mentioned very briefly that, oh, Mukunda probably hasn't had breakfast yet. <clears throat> um, and this is significant because mm. uh, I think you're absolutely right. He probably hadn't had, had breakfast yet. He was doing his early morning meditation when he got called for this errand. And so I think the divine drama made it that he was in an empty stomach condition for <laughs> his most uh, his, yeah. his most significant moment of his young life. And mm. as we all know, we should uh, when we're doing our meditation or doing our kriyas, we should also be there. Should not be any digestion happening, essentially. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so. You know, the gods of uh, working in Mukunda's favor here. But uh, the other thing of significance here was that, so he's broken his, essentially he's broken his morning, his day fast. It's, it's probably at 
24 hours since he last you know ate a meal the evening previous so he's broken his fast with mangoes and almond sweetmeats but this is also we, we we touched on this but this this moment was almost like a initiation isn't it um between yukteswar and uh, mukunda and after you've had an initiation uh, or you have a very spiritual event that's happened be it uh, a wedding or some other you know puja celebrations that we may do we usually have a something called prasad which is the um, food that's been uh, blessed essentially and then we can eat it after the spiritual uh, undertaking that we've just taken place we have it so in india this is what uh, we refer to as prasad so i, I feel like uh, there's a even though the words aren't used here, that's what's uh, essentially happened. Mm. And we also were talking about unconditional love, weren't we? <clears throat> well, mangoes are Guruji's favourite. And here, in this exchange, Sri Tesha guides him to this inner room and there are his favourite fruits. And it's like love in action, right? It's a completely subtle thing. You know, we could have given him something else, but it was mangoes. Well, great observation. Yeah. I love almond sweet beets as well myself. <laughs> I would have done well with this <laughs> <laughs> marzipan type deal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's also uh, one thing that that is happening here is that they're both so happy to have met each other. They're there, I think when you are in God's consciousness on earth, you don't have to participate in all of this earth. We can always go back to your Samadhi state and, and, and enjoy it. But um, if you have another realized master next to you or, and, and then all the prospect of having him in your life for the next decade or so, I think this is also a very joyous moment for both of them. And so this is like, they're, they're basically partying, right? So they, they're getting out the sweets and the mangoes and, and sitting together. So I, I interpreted it like that. And like Lauren said, um, mangoes, Gurji mentions his love for mangoes many times. He loves it. And then he says that he, um, he calls him Gurudeva, and he also says that he every now and then he has a, a knowledge of his life, and he he drops that knowledge every now and then. And now we're zooming in on this conversation, and uh, the first thing he mentions is, "Oh yeah, that that amulet of yours. Um, don't worry about it. It's it has served its purpose." Um, and and then Guruji says, "Like a divine mirror, my guru apparently had caught a reflection of my whole life." So I think that's that's what gurus do. They they have the file of your life in front of you or of all of your lives and know know every detail about it. Right? Is it a read only file, Mike, or a write? <laughs> I would give them write permission. <laughs> the write access. I think I think both. <laughs> um, what a serious note, though. The amulet. Um, is saying that he's. Um, served its purpose but he also says that um he's reading reading into his essentially reading into his whole life um and and the same brother and the more talk that i keep 
coming back to he all, brother Nandamai also has this same feeling and then he describes it quite in quite an amusing way he says that um, when he first met him Guruji was asking him loads of questions and um, and he said the way he phrased the questions it was clear that he did not need any information <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny (laughs) um yeah i love uh brother anandamoy it's just um very he he has a very very strong comedic talent when he gives talks i very much enjoy listening to his talks um uh, um, and I, of course, it's the cases here as well. And I think Shukteshwar by now already made abundantly clear that he doesn't need any, any information either. But he, um, so he, he can steer the conversation basically wherever. Um, so Guruji then he replies and he says that the living reality of your presence, Master, is joy beyond any symbol. So he kind of understands that this amulet led him to his guru Swami Sri Yukteswar and this it has served its purpose and this is concluded now. Does this mean that we spent too long on the purpose and the meaning <laughs> and the image of the amulet? Because very quickly <laughs> very quickly Mukunda has demoted the um, amulet. You know before he said that he flew high on the wings of the amulet and he used mm. it like a spiritual yeast and things like that. He was saying those kind of words, wasn't he? And now he's saying that um, essentially it was just a symbol. Mm. What do you think? Yogananda does say at other times about how, you know, depending on the evolution of man's spiritual evolution, they will worship symbols. You know, we will worship symbols and, and essentially not to do that. So. Yeah, when when I read this, I wonder actually is this sort of part and parcel of maybe where he's getting this from? But um, cert- certainly there is a lot of that, isn't there? There's not not the true seeking of God, but the worshiping of of the more material sense. But yeah, um, maybe we did we did cover it, but we covered it for the content. Priyank, we forget we're running a podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think the you always have to see everything in context. Like before, he had found his guru. That that um, amulet was the only. It was like a, a symbol of hope that he would find his guru, um, and that it would lead him to him. And it was motivation for him. Now that he's found his guru, of course, it became rendered completely useless because now it's. Now it's done. Um, the next sentence shows another another um, uh, clairvoyance, where she, or he, he basically just knows everything about his life. He, he has never met him, but he knows that he is unhappily situated in an ashram, and and he says it's time for a change. And I think Guruji is very happy to hear that. That part of the message is is um something that he is probably was hoping for that he he i don't know if he would have left the ashram by himself but he made remarks already that he regretted sending his money back and that 
uh, the situation was deteriorating there between him and the other devotees. And of course, he, Mukunda wasn't going to change his way of searching God in the ashram and, and uh, meditating. He wasn't going to um, change his, uh, his approach to God. Um, so this wasn't going to work out. And so I think that that was a very welcome part of what Sri Yukteswar um, has to say here. Um, and um, one other thing that he mentions is that, um, so Sri Yukteswar had all this knowledge about his life, but he, it's, it's, he dropped it very casually in a way that he understood Mukunda should not say, oh my God, how do you know this? So he, he, he would just continue on in his casual demeanor. So you don't think um, he wanted? He didn't want Mukunda to like gasp and like sigh. You know, yeah. <laughs> all those outward responses of <laughs> shock and or like a act, stage actor. But yeah, but the stage actors play their part though. Mukunda is not playing his part here. You know, there's there's Leela that's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a balance. I I mean, also Mukunda is, is always very very humble. So he might have had knowledges that he hasn't shared here in this part as well. It's quite reflective for me of Sri Yukteswar's style, in a sense that he's going to put Yogananda through quite an intensive sadhana and practice discipline, and there's not a lot of chaff you know there's not a lot of room for um uh, extra so he simply has gotten to the point here he could he could have played the role and asked the questions and kind of went through this little play for the sake of it but he didn't and he played it down to an extent to say okay that's that now get on and he's recognizing that yogananda is going to intuitively know exactly what's going on and how you know intuitively know how it's done and just push on push ahead and not be too caught up in the drama of things right and and the maya sense so like i said part one of that message guruji appreciated he is done with dayananda's ashram time for a change part two however is something that he he um takes some time for him to accept and it's the message that he should go back to Kolkata and that's an interesting sentence is why exclude relatives from your love of humanity <laughs> and that I think that's a bit of a loaded sentence because he knows that Mukunda's um, relationship to his family is such that he's trying to prove his um, way is the right way for him his way of a of a swami or or of a of a someone who has devoted his life to god and his family is very critical of this and and he we know the story he left his home and he moved to another city and he joined an ashram and now coming back to his family that would be a bit of a defeat and that's not defeat is not in the vocabulary of mukunda so he's very much against this um and he even said his family predicted his return and, and so that makes it even more difficult so 
there's there's a bit of a challenging situation for Mukunda. Yeah, Priyan. That is probably why one of the reasons why he didn't leave the ashram because then he would die in Ananda's ashram because then he would need to know that he'd have to go back home. <laughs> um, so a touch of uh, pride, perhaps youthful, youthful pride. Yes, he, he you you mentioned here, Priyank the poetic eloquence of Ananta. I was very impressed reading this, I must say. <laughs> I wonder if you, they really talk to each other like that. But this is... <laughs> oh, have you got to the bit yet about the, the bird? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's where we are now. Yeah. yeah. I, I th I'm just going to read it out because it's, it's actually... <laughs> I imagine your older brother talks to you like that he says let the young bird fly in the metaphysical skies his wings will tire in the heavy atmosphere we shall yet see him swoop toward home fold his pinions and humbly rest in our family <laughs> and i think yeah Guruji says he was determined to do no swooping <laughs> um I love family. Family is amazing. That's like, and it, and um, it's also. I I mean, a, a lot of Guruji's experiences are he always has for us, right? So we can learn from them as well and see how to react. But that was definitely something where Guruji. It was really difficult for him to admit to say like, okay, I'll move back in with my with my dad. This um this bird and flying and wings analogy. <clears throat> Um, perhaps, you know, um, Mukunda described when he was using the amulet to fly high, um, you know, in spirituality, etc. He may have, like, like, in a inopportune moment, mentioned this feeling to Ananta. So then Ananta may have then you came up with this <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible spin on it on the flying. Um, which is another, if that is the case, is another reminder for everyone and a warning to ever tell anyone about your spiritual, <laughs> spiritual um, aspects of your life, um, uh, because this is what they'll do. <laughs> this is what they'll do. Um, but, but I, I find it that, um, I find it quite um, cool that Mukunda didn't stoop to a low level response to this in this section he, he didn't like you know abuse you know ananta or like um you know dismiss him completely he he called it this discouraging simile fresh in my mind and he was, I was determined to do no swooping what a polite um polite way to dismiss um a family member's uh you know, when they ramble on about something that uh, affects your life dearly, <laughs> but uh, but you have to, you know, behave in a in a way that's befitting of your, you know, what you're trying to achieve spiritually, isn't it? Both in terms of harmony, internal harmony, and also external harmony with your family. And if this is how he responded, then this is, you know, really, really great lesson for us because it wasn't just. Uh, disparaging was it that that uh, that 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 analogy it's almost uh, it does mock him mock his spirituality which is really, really 
really demeaning, isn't it? Because if you're pledging your yeah. whole your whole life, you, he's joined an ashram, so he's not going to university, he's not getting married, he's not doing all the regular things that um, you know young adults do. He's literally pledging his whole everything. At, at, on this path and, and a family member is mocking it uh, in this way but he's not he's literally refusing to stoop to that level which is a really really mm-hmm. good lesson for us I, I very much enjoy the banter between Ananta and Mukunda I think they're both very very eloquent and you say rambling I say he launched quite the singer there Ananta that was really <laughs> really well well done and and so maybe that makes it even harder um and then guruji says why would i go to kolkata like this makes no sense to me at all like um and then he tells swamishu teshwar um i don't want to go to kolkata but i will follow you anywhere so give me your address and your name so yeah yep very good yeah so we, we've mentioned the touch of pride previously but now uh, yeah. the touch is becoming more of a touch isn't it <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> doesn't want to give Ananta the satisfaction of being right yeah. even though he definitely wasn't right because he's found his guru but that's not how Ananta will see it <laughs> i say actually that was a bit surprised reading this that given everything that's happened in in yogananda's life um even as as a young boy all the you know miracles, all the instances that Ananda has actually been a part of and central to, and he's still sort of talking in a bit of a it's a diminishing way, as as you say. Oh, he's going to get tired of this. You know, he's going to come back. I wonder what actually makes him so sure he ends up not being right, but not far off. Um, you know, if he hadn't have had met Sri Akteshwar in that moment. He wasn't too happy, was he? He was praying to, praying to Divine Mother for some answer because he was feeling a bit spiritually tortured at, at this point. So I wonder what made Ananta say these things given the whole context and history that he knows that Yogananda is a special um, soul and he's come here to do special things and follow this path. So when I read this, I thought, geez, you know, he's rather very intuitively sort of connected in some way as well or this is very bold comments given that given all the history that he has in his in his uh, knowledge bank so yeah maybe it's just pure yeah. banter. I don't know. <laughs> no I, I think it's high class banter definitely in that family <laughs> and um so the guruji so first he says um I'm not returning home. So this is, there's a wish of Sri Yukteswar and he does not intend to obey that wish. Now that's, I think that's big between guru and disciple and they were just talking about their unconditional love and their, um, yeah. So, but then life comes back, I feel like catches up and there's like a first big challenge. Um, and he, he then says, give me your address and your name. But first, Priyank. Yeah, your address and your name. So it's been, what, six, at least six hours. <laughs> yeah. And they've said, they've said probably five lines between uh, to each other. Not one of them is 
<laughs> what's her name? <laughs> what's her name? <laughs> which which <laughs> would imply the irrelevance um, on the grander scale of the you know, you know our birth names and uh, our ego distinctions because the soul has no name, right? The soul has no face. Um, so, and this is this is the case for brahmacharis and monks. They forego, you know, one of the the rights of their passage into monastic life is that they forego their when they become a full-fledged brother or a swami, they take on a new name, they forego their birth name. And this is the symbolic significance of that because the soul has none. I wonder if when they when they commune in spirit, if they have spirit names or something like that, that they, that they use. Yeah, but you're right. I, I didn't even notice that, but yeah, they, it, they, it's probably something you would do in the beginning, right? Ask them some before you swear your unconditional love. You would ask for their name first, but not here. Each of us probably has like a hex address assigned to each soul. Somewhere in memory, number memory address. That one, that one says static <laughs> through lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, in the in the global, in the global clouds, in the beyond, great beyond clouds. So, so now comes another twist. Sri Teshwar tells him, well, he tells him his name. That's not a twist. He says, "I'm Swami Sri Teshwar Giri." Um, name full of meaning, and. Um, the, next, the twist is my ashram is in Sarampur on Raigad Lane. Boom, boom, boom. The irony is just uh, add your irony um, gift here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he's in Sarampur to be in Dayananda's ashram, but he's actually from Kolkata. Uh, Sri Yukteswar is all, uh, not Sarampur, but Kolkata. Sarampur is very close. And um, uh, Guruji is from Kolkata, and he's in, uh, no, um, Sri Yukteswar is in Kolkata because he, why do I get those names wrong? So, Gosh. yeah, <laughs> Sri Yukteswar <laughs> lives near Kolkata, but he, he went to, he went to Benares to visit his mother. So they're both just here, but they're both actually from the same place. They're both from Kolkata or near there. And that is, um, now it makes sense why he wants Mukunda to move back with his parents, because then he could visit him in his ashram regularly. Um, however, this is um, probably something that Guruji understands now, but he finds, he finds it um, he, he finds it uh, still difficult to deal with his parent. And we will see in the next episode how he how he will deal with this whole issue. But um, he does remark on God's humor. He says how funny it is that like Sarampur is just 12 miles from Kolkata. And when he was there, he couldn't find anyone. But now he's in this different city and now they meet each other. Yeah. Lauren? I have to say, I kind of love this physical manifestation that the, your guru is never actually far away. 
Mm. I think like he he never caught a glimpse he'd never seen him but his guru was always there and I feel like that's a really lovely reminder for us as well like yeah we might not see Guruji's body necessarily here but he is here he's right here mm. with us um and I love that that's like reflected in this happening that's a beautiful thought mm. um also when we meditate can always visualize our guru sitting next to us or that he just lives in the same town 10 12 miles away to those who think me near i'll be nearer mm. than in there <laughs> yeah yes so yeah we have reached the end of of this chapter um but yeah i think um this is um a bit of a cliffhanger we want to see how it how it continues in uh, in part eight um but yeah for for this one i i want to thank you guys if unless you want to add anything but we, we can close it here um and thank all the listeners and people watch on youtube jaguar